With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cyber isn't one thing, cyber is everything. It cuts across every industry, connecting everybody. It's the same way Dakota State University isn't just a university. With our Cyber 27 initiative, DSU has a stronger, more secure future. We're adding more faculty and welcoming more students building labs, adding degrees, conducting game-changing research. We need partners to work with us and put our graduates to work for them. Visit dsucyber27.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. I'm Jim Daly and uh, joining me, I've got the original four plus a very special guest. So James Endicott is here. Hello to you. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. Very good. Good, 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 good. Kevin Day is also here. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm, I'm a bit worried. Endicott's very bullying, isn't he? Well, it's... it's yeah, it's nearly beer o'clock, so that's yeah. that's understandable. Andy Street is here. Hello. Talk us through the beard. Well, I've not shaved for a while, and it's just kind of a beard. <laughs> that's how beards work. He means mm. talk to us through the beard, is what he means. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think I'm doing that as well. <laughs> I think it's a great beard, actually. Thank you very much. It's awesome. awesome. Don't encourage him. Do not it's encourage It's Viking him. gold. Yes. It's neither Viking nor gold. And our guest this week uh, is one of our super patrons joining us as part of his top tier reward. It's the one and only Dr. Nick Shepherd. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's fantastic. It's great to have you here. Now, uh, for anyone that doesn't know Nick, he has the misfortune to sit in front of Rob Sutherland in the Homesdale. Oh, oh dear. What a nightmare, especially yeah. when, the plane, when a plane goes over. That must be <laughs> shocking. Yeah, you always get hit in the head when he's looking up with his app. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, look, we're, we're really pleased you've joined us and thank you for your support via Patreon and thank you to all our patrons for their support. Yeah. We appreciate it. And you can join us at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. For the first time ever, I get to say hi, Dr. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> hi, said, everybody. I've never said that before. <laughs> uh, I bet you've never heard that, Nick, have you? Never, never. Um, no, but so- important, more importantly, I've never said it. <laughs> And that is the FYP podcast in a nutshell. Um, 
Guys, in part one, I want to talk about Project Return because there's been a few, a uh, bit of progress, sort of, with that. The Premier League potentially returning. The Bundesliga is returning, so we'll talk about that. Steve Parrish has done an open letter about Project Return as well. Part two is our athletic part, and we'll be talking about Palace's best ever free transfers because, of course, a few days ago was the 10-year anniversary of Survival Sunday in wow. Sheffield, which brought back a lot of memories. And then in part three, we've got more questions from our listeners all of them left over from last week because we didn't get around to answering half of them. Before we do that, we've got a shout out to one of our patrons. Are we ready? Mm. Yeah. Can I get yep. a drum roll? <laughs> Adam Damerall. Hey, Adam. Oh, Hi, Adam. Hello, Adam. Thank you for your support. Uh, also, Hello. you've got 48 hours. No, less than that. What, what's, what's a day and a half? 30-something hours to bid on uh, our friend Tony Fletcher's FA Cup memorabilia, uh, which is available on eBay, currently uh, being auctioned. All the proceeds go to the Brixton and Norwood uh, Food Bank. So please get involved there. It's a um, signed menu from the night before the uh, pre-FA Cup final, 1990. Uh, meal and it's a very rare piece of palace memorabilia and it can be yours if you go to the auction on ebay which we have put on our social channels please support the local food banks at this current time they will very much appreciate it part one then is where we're going to talk about project restart um Kevin, I'm actually sort of losing track with what's happening at the moment. There seems to be constant reports. We're hearing the Bundesliga is opening again in a week or so. Doctors from the Premier League are saying that they cannot support Project Return. Steve Parrish wants it to come back. Where do you stand with all this? The, the Bundesliga is definitely restarting on the 22nd of May. That's been announced within the last hour. Um, the EFL, Rick Parry, the, the, the EFL said it needs to be completed by the 31st of July. Uh, as Andy Street will know, that's for most EFL contracts end on the uh, end of June, but there's a month leeway, which is normally in case fixes are frozen off. The, the doctor's thing is interesting because Steve Parrish, uh, I think some people try to willfully misrepresent what Steve Parrish said in his Sunday Times article about getting football back before August because he made it quite plain it, it wouldn't be at, uh, at any risk to the health and safety of either players or coaching staff. Um, the, the Premier League situation, as I say, there's still the English football is still the most determined to complete the league via competition. Um, the, the plan is still this ten neutral grounds plan is is going ahead. The June, mid mid June is probably the earliest, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that English football will come back in some way, shape, or form. And Steve Parrish's point is is a very valid one. I mean, Palace's wage bill is around about ten million pound a month which is a lot of money to find when you're not getting any income whatsoever. And there's a risk of the broadcasting income disappearing if there's no football of any, of any sort, because you know, overseas broadcasting money will have to be paid back if the season's not completed. So, you know, there are probably only five Premier League clubs that are exempt from any worries about finances. And also Steve Parrish pointed out that Premier League is starting to subsidise the EFL and other clubs to, to a great deal of money. So football needs to come back. Every day that goes by puts another club at risk. So I, they will find a way of doing it in a, in, a, in a as safe a way as possible. And players will be able to opt out if they don't feel safe. 
Um, yeah, Nick, what was your reaction to this Steve Parrish? It was an article in the Times, but it was also available on Palace's website, which is a bit weird. Because um, it seemed to be widely well received by not just Palace fans, but fans of other clubs. And those points about the economy, you know, and, and, and play, clubs playing payers a lot, but the players playing a lot of tax and actually that all being part of kind of this social economy that's important was kind of the crux of Steve's message. What were your thoughts on that and the sort of message in general? Well, Parrish is a kind of open letter kind of guy, isn't he? He um he likes to likes yeah. to put things out there. Um, I think he was um it was a well argued point in terms of the kind of whole economics of football and the kind of balance of not trying to take you know resources away from the NHS, give people something to look forward to, all that kind of stuff. But I think part of the problem is is that no one knows. I mean, the, our guidance just keeps changing, and you know, there's no plan for getting out of lockdown, and even if that works in some industries it's not going to work in other industries so i think he's in a no-win situation so he made a i think he's he's leading on it really neat people seem to say that parish is one of the strongest voices in the premier league chairman in terms of pushing for a restart so i think i think it was well balanced but you could have the best plans and still not be able to bring them out which i think is part of the problem they're dealing with yeah remember remember the, the premier league vote on this and there were I think Andy might know better than this. I believe Spurs were the casting vote because it has to be a two-thirds majority um, and several clubs voted for the season to end. My guess being five of them will have been the clubs that are immediately above the bottom three because obviously any risk of relegation will be taken out. So nothing can be done without a two-thirds consent of the Premier League and, and nothing will be done. I mean, the, the, big, the big issue, as we, I think we hinted at last week, is testing. The Premier League, just from a PR point of view, won't buy in 40,000 tests from abroad if there are still vulnerable people in this country who haven't been tested. Um, so it will be done properly. But as, as Nick says, advice changes all the time. I and mean, we've seen... We've seen a leading medical person in charge of the government's own advice having to resign <laughs> because he that's didn't realise. Yeah, you know, he's you know, a very naughty boy. It was yeah. just yeah. That's uh, a different kind of open thing, not so much an open letter. <laughs> <laughs> open house. Um, Enders, it is difficult yeah. though, isn't it, to support any kind of restart when you've got doctors from Premier League clubs saying that we can't support any kind of return because even if there's a risk of one person getting infected or one person dying, then we can't support it. And really, as a bottom line, that's a difficult position to argue with. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just really difficult as a fan, isn't it? Just, you know, your average fan who doesn't really have much contact with clubs and you're just with other fans and all you really want to do is see football again. And I think, you know, the whole argument about it being good for the morale and the good of the country and all that is a very positive thing. But it's almost like the more you read about it, the more arguments, the more things are said, you just get confused. As yeah. you were saying yourself, JD, you see, I don't know where I am anymore. And I'm tending to read less and less of these arguments and these things that managers, doctors, whoever, a chairman are putting forward because I just really want to see live football. I want to see 22 guys on a pitch kicking the a leather ball around it. I don't want to shout at the referee. Do you know what I mean? And I really want to do that. So in the meantime, I'm just enjoying, I'm enjoying this little gap. I really want football to come back. But in the meantime, I'm sort of the history of football and just looking at old clips and losing myself in like on the YouTube and losing myself on websites. And it, what happens will happen. And Nick's right. You know, you can have all the best plans in the world, but who, you know, we've got no idea what's going to happen Friday, Sunday, in a month's time. And it's very frustrating. So, you know, as a football fan, I just like seeing classic goals on YouTube at four in the morning when I'm bored. 
I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't see... It's hard, it's hard. Sorry, James. I didn't see this... Sorry, go, nope. on, Nick. go on, Nick. I was going to say, I didn't see this written in any of the pieces, but I think the other thing that the Premier League have got to consider is what's the, what's the product look like? So yeah. if, if they have tournaments behind closed doors and if they have players who are playing half the best and reluctant to go into challenges and get into physical contact, yeah. then if that suffers, they're not going to want to put that product out because it's a global yeah. product. So they can't put something out that doesn't look good on the global stage. So I think they're going to be really, really careful about you know how it looks and what the competition is like and whether it's played at full tilt and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be really, really hard, even if we do see a restart. Yeah. I, I think yeah. a lot of this, Nick, is being driven by the broadcasters. That's part of the problem. Um, the broadcasters would rather be showing Premier League football from empty stadia because obviously they're losing out on massive advertising revenue. My, my guess is that the first couple of games that are live on Sky BT are going to get huge audiences and they'll make a lot of money out of that. And we're coming up to the time when, again, as, as Andy Street knows, the broadcasters pay their big... The, the first big whack of next year's money in, in June to finance the transfer market. They want clubs that are coming up into the Premier League. They want Premier League clubs to buy big players to enhance the product. And I, I think my, my, my theory is that they would rather have any sort of football, even if it's yeah. play. And I, I think people might start after four weeks to say, hang on a second. This, but I think the nature of professional football is, and we've talked about this on the pod before, that 100% commitment is, is the least you expect from footballers. And that's, I think that's probably what you will get. I think you might see a couple of big name players who find a reason not to be playing. But I think the integrity, integrity is a word you hear all the time in English football. And I think for the integrity of the tournament, people like Roy Hodgson will play as good a team as possible in, in every game. Um, so but I, you're right. In the, I mean, it, it, how long you can play games behind closed doors for before anyone gets bored? I don't know. Um, Andy, what was your reaction to Steve P's letter uh, that was pretty w- well widely received? I thought it was a very compelling piece of advocacy on why uh, there's a very compelling argument to, to go ahead with restarting the season. And those are all, all the sorts of factors that have already been mentioned. Um, I mean, frankly, you know, there, there are a series of imperfect solutions right now, some of them more imperfect than others. And simply waiting until everything is back to normal and fans can return to stadia just isn't an option because th- we are not going to be having mass events for a very, very long time still. Um, and even if people are back to work and restrictions are lifted and so on and so forth, the idea of between twenty and 80,000 people gathering in one place to watch a football match is not going to return any time immediately. So it's not just about the nine games for this season. It's about the 38 games of next season as well. Um, And notwithstanding the fact that, yes, it won't be the same watching games from behind closed doors. The Premier League's not the outlier here. League 1 in France is is the outlier in having cancelled the season. La Liga wants to get back. The Bundesliga will get back. Um, the uh, Italian league Syria is, in, is intending to get back and it's talking about returning to training. So I think people will get used to the spectacle. Obviously it's an inferior spectacle, but if the prospect is instead of a 700 million pound litigation in relation to the uh, media rights for this season, a multi-billion pound litigation for the media rights for next season by not playing those games behind closed doors and then potentially uh, actions from the clubs at the top of the EFL from uh, perspective of being denied promotion, 
it strikes me that even though it's going to be logistically difficult to pull off, it's still a far more preferable outcome for the clubs, certainly from a commercial perspective um, and potentially from a sporting integrity perspective in terms of getting everything finished off than looking for the perfect solution because there isn't one. I, I don't think, Andy, by human nature, I, uh, you know, clubs like Liverpool and Man United will sell out straight away, but I think a lot of fans will have to be lured back over a couple of seasons because they'll, they'll have their own concerns about going to crowded stadia. Mm-hmm. Plus as well, you know, we're not doing too badly in, in this fan. We've got mortgage holidays and all that sort of stuff. But if the season were to start in September, God willing, I'm not sure I could afford two season tickets. And there would be a lot yeah, of Yeah, I think that'd be, common, that'd be a, 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 a common occurrence. There'll be a lot of people of in that situation, yeah. So I, I, I think it'll be a while before people feel so. I mean, again, and it's worse for, for, for Endicott and, and my industry, the comedy industry, the music industry will be the last to reopen properly. And also I think people will be re- really reluctant to go into a, especially if it's jazz, of course they'll be reluctant, but they'll be reluctant to go into a, a sweaty club surrounded by 100 people. So I think it'll be... There's going to be a period of adjustment that will take maybe two or three seasons before we get back to yeah. you know, forgetting all this, possibly after the next World Cup. Who knows? Yeah, I think you're right. It, the, the impact is going to be longer than, uh, than people first thought. Um, finally then for this part, with the Bundesliga looking like it is returning in a couple of weeks, who are we supporting then in Germany? Because Union Berlin. Union Berlin. Of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, of course. They, they, Okay. Well, we we played them and they they sing a Palace song, don't they? they were, we were there a couple of seasons ago uh, to see a Union Berlin game, uh, and they were singing do 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 do, and we got chatting and they nicked it off us. So they they sing we're the boys from BE whatever it is. Okay. We played them in we played them in a friendly uh, three or four seasons ago. Uh, Enders, speaking of brilliant yeah. classic goals from the past, did you see Wrighty's yeah. hat trick against Wimbledon? No, I missed that. When was that on? It was all over. I think it was Wimbledon's last ever game at Palermo. We played it all, all in red. I was there. I remember Wrighty, that game, yeah. yeah. Righty scored a hat trick. Three brilliant goals. scored 35 yard dipping volley. Fantastic. What a player. Yeah. I used to love Cloud Blade. It was a funny little ground, wasn't it? Yeah. It's coming back. The lockdown is certainly providing excuses for um, former players to bring out their highlight reels <laughs> and push them all over Twitter. <laughs> Speaking of dipping into uh, the archives, in part two, we're going to talk nice. about the 10 year anniversary. Nice. Lockdown's been good to me. The 10 year anniversary of Survival Sunday. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge, for every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! hey. What number hey. podcast is it, JD? It's oh, I didn't say that at the start, did I? No. Um, no. It's Pod three three three. All right. Whoa! <laughs> Great. Half the, half the number of the beast. Yeah. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, part two of the beast. JD, you need to tell people what pod it is in case they list, They think they're listening to a repeat. What? Yeah. Why would they think they'd be listening to a repeat? 
<laughs> well, it's because of the highlight reels of your pod best bits yeah. that you put out. Very true, which we are doing again this week. And uh, people seem to be enjoying our dips into the Palace past, which we're going to do right now, thanks to The Athletic, a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of the world's oldest professional football team. <laughs> website and app, and they're completely ad-free. No ads, no known pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a 30-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Now, lads, this week's article by Matt Woosnam is called Ambrose Helped Save Palace from, Extent- from Extinction is he their best free transfer and before i read a section from it i want to hear what you guys remember from survival sunday because the saturday just gone was 10 years since that game of course ambrose scored and got an assist in that game and his goals that season were absolutely pivotal not just to keeping us up but to pretty much keeping the club alive um nick you're our guest today what were your You've, you've, got, you've gone to the wrong person because I'm a newbie in Palace um, legends. So I'm only a seven-year-old, eight-year-old Palace fan. So it's, oh, before, okay. it's before my oh. time. Wow. So, why is that, why is that wow. Nick? So uh, I, didn't gr- I, I had other teams. It didn't work out with them in the past. <laughs> and I was living in Croydon. I've moved now to Lewisham. I was living in Croydon. And my son came home from school. Uh, one day and said that for Christmas he wanted a Chelsea shirt and I was like there's no way there's no way that is happening so for his for Christmas he got full Palace kit and then on his birthday in January 2013 he got taken to see Palace Bolton for his (laughs) birthday with three of his mates a nil nil draw and that was us hooked and I was thinking it was going to be a life of pain and misery for him because I thought that's really what he needed to have in a football team. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's been unbridled glory since then. So <laughs> the, the poor lad has no idea, and I have no idea what it's like to go through the pain that you express of, of the previous generations. So I'm listening with intent. And I've got my own personal favourites, obviously, because Murray's on that list of free yeah, transfers. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, kind yeah. of come into that, that kind of scale. So I'd be that. So I look, I look forward to you putting the case for Ambrose, and I will I'll put the case backwards as a newbie. Well, I, I'm delighted that you chose Palace. I mean, yeah, you've timed it incredibly well, uh, <laughs> which is which is brilliant timing your part. But it's it's nice that you chose Palace, and I think like a lot of us, your first game was quite unforgettable for most people, and yet we're all still here. And I think we all had pretty unforgettable first games as well, and that's very Palace, I think, um, to do that. I'm delighted that you chose to stick with Palace. That's wonderful. Um, all right, Kevin, what were your thoughts of uh, of that day then? Your memories. Well, as I'm constantly reminded, I I wasn't able to get there because I was doing a, a TV show that evening, uh, and you know how nervous I get. Even even if we're ten points clear, the last game of the season, I'm still anxious about. <laughs> so I I couldn't bear my I couldn't bring myself to watch it on TV. It was it, it was the worst monsoon. It was pouring with rain here, so I went for a walk around Mitcham Common. I, I Ali was primed to text me yes or no, basically. I went and I'd say I try to avoid any mention. I turn, I, uh, I went to the, the extent of buying a new cheap mobile phone just with Ali's number on it, so nobody else could phone me with wow, scores. Wow, a burner phone. Uh, and I was uh, my my abiding memory is walking around the middle of Mitcham Common, totally empty Mitcham Common, freezing cold, pouring rain. This old bloke walking his dog. He went past me and just went, "Palace has scored." <laughs> so, so, but then. <laughs> I just kept I just kept looking at my watch because the game I kept thinking this game this game must have finished ten minutes ago and Ali can't bring herself to 
and let me know. And eventually, I was in the middle of Mitchum, and I just got Ali's text saying, "Yes, with loads of kisses." And I just like, I just remember running around the ponds. I've, I mean, I've, you know how much I love Ali. I've never loved her more than when she's <laughs> given me the news that Palace been <laughs> word renegade. And then, so that was. Um, I might as well have cancelled the TV show that evening because I was so elated. I was, it's not, I, it, but it's still, I, it, it's hard to think back now because we've done so well since. And it, it was a big anniversary. BT Sports spoke to me about it. So it's one that's resonated through football. It, it's hard to imagine what the consequences would have been had we not stayed up. Yeah. And it's, it's also amazing to think where we've gone from that brilliant and you remember you know paddy mccarthy sean derry telling us about his memories of of, of that day and paul hart we, we could have we would have gone and now here we are an established premier league team it's an amazing it's an amazing decade and, I, and it's brilliant for nick that him and his the worst thing is though nick that when it the inevitable does happen your boy's going to be broken hearted <laughs> yeah you, it was you, you, you need to prepare him show him some old bad games just to, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the cup final was the most distraught he's ever been. So goodness knows what uh, it'd be like if we ever went down for anything. Yeah. But he was, um, yeah, we do live in constant fear, though, because that, that is the current experience that well, that, that is strike. That is the Crystal Palace way, actually. Yeah. Living but the, other, you, the yeah. rest of you were there, though. You were there that day, weren't you? All of you. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was with Street. Street and I were together. And actually, Kevin's talking there about that sort of following from afar and that horrible feeling of not knowing what's happening and, and the last 10 minutes seeming like an hour. And normally with games like that, when you're at the game, it, it's a bit sort of easier to, to digest it. But actually, Andy, my memory of those last 10 minutes was it was just as bad as being anywhere else in the world. It was a horrible, uh, horrible last 10 minutes. They seemed to drag on forever. I was pretty relaxed throughout, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had an XG even when he was a younger one. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? That, when they, they replayed the whole 90 minutes, didn't they, on, on YouTube? Yeah. And um, I have no desire to watch that game back. It was excruciating to watch. I watched the Clint Hill interview on uh, Palace Player, which was really good. And I, I enjoyed because he was sort of reminiscing about his time at Palace and before Palace and after Palace and that day. But I don't know. It's, it, it, that usually when you've won a match or uh, staved off relegation or won something, there's a real feeling of achievement, elation, all that sort of stuff. I didn't feel any of that. It felt like sort of a, uh, a stay of execution had been, been granted. Yeah. Um, and that the worst hadn't happened, but it was just uh, pretty dreadful to have to watch, to be perfectly honest with you. So I, I, don't, I don't actually have a particularly vivid memory of that day, perhaps because it wasn't all that pleasant. Uh, and partially it wasn't all that pleasant because it was the first time I ever met Neil the Fish. Um, (laughs) 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 Additionally, uh, we also saw Mark Goldberg outside, didn't we, and danced around with him after the match. But I don't really remember much about the match at all. Um, And that's in contrast to some big Palace matches of, uh, you know, the last 15, 20 years. I can remember very, very vividly. I do do envy you, Ben. I've never, watching the highlights the other day and the celebrations at the end, I've never wanted to be at a game more. I, I really wish I'd been there because it just, we, we all know that sense of relief because we've been at you know, different places, but that just looked fantastic, of course. But what you don't see is it's all kicking off on the pitch at the time, isn't it? Yeah, that was a really weird moment, Enders, actually, when it all kicked off. Yeah, yeah. I, like Andy, I don't actually have many vivid memories of that day. I think because sort of the nervousness and the adrenaline sort of drains it out of you. And yeah. I was talking on the athletic pod with Ed and Matt and Dom and, Everyone was so tired after the game. So it was such a draining experience. And it wasn't 
really particularly fun at all, was it? It was just, just one big relief. I've got very different memories, actually. I had a brilliant day. Um, <laughs> oh, and a brilliant night as well. No, I had a brilliant night. I, I went to the game with my wife and my three kids, and my kids at the time were 13, 11, and 9. And we all went up on the train together. It was the first away game we'd all done. We all went up on the train together, loads of Palace fans, loads of singing. We got off at the station in Sheffield, and then we all got on this bus, all Palace fans. The bus was rocking from side to side. Get to the ground. Don't remember much about the game at all. Uh, but just the sense of elation at, at the, the final results. And then, then my real great memory is getting the bus back and then getting to the station in Sheffield. And a lot of um, Sheffield United fans were there who hadn't gone to their game because they wanted Sheffield Wednesday to go down. <laughs> and they bought our scarves, they bought badges, they <laughs> bought hats. Any. <laughs> Anything Crystal Palace with, with blue and red, they were buying because they were so happy that Wednesday had gone down. And, just, and then arriving at the train station after the game and, and the train journey back from Sheffield to London, my three kids talk about... We as a family talk about that day as a real moment in our family Aww. life. It was a real Aww. moment. It's something that we all really, really remember. And we all got very, very fond memories of it. And the train journey back was just people falling over, drink flying, singing. The kids had never seen anything like it. Yeah. It, was just, it was just an amazing experience. And of course, and that was just got, you, Embers. And that was just me. And then of, course, <laughs> then, of course, we got back to London and I got a phone call from Matty Lawrence, who'd been playing in the game, saying, yeah. Get, you know, and you've all heard this story a million times before. I, I, I went out with Matty Lawrence and Sean Derry and Johnny Earl and Paddy McCarthy. In, and we got drunk in Beckenham and had a really quite a nice civilised evening. JD, that tiredness thing you mentioned, it, and then just we'll remember this as well. It's like if you saw the replay of the, the 1990 semi final yeah. a couple of weeks ago, when, when Brighty scored, if you look at the away end, when Brighty scores the first goal, it's just mayhem, total yeah. mayhem. <laughs> it's quite obvious to see when, when Pardew scores the, the winner. Everyone's so tired. Yeah. Barely, there's, there's barely yeah. anyone jumping up and down. And, and, at, and at the end, we barely, on the way home, we, we hardly spoke because we were so drained. Yeah. Um, luckily. Well, because we, we've been running up and d down those terraces, haven't we? have been running down and running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there were, there were no seats, were there? There were no yeah. seats in the whole tent. But Enders, that's lovely to hear that's a family memory for no, all it's yeah. a, it's, That's beautiful. It's, it's a football, it's a great moment in Palace's history, but yeah, yeah. more for, as a family, we, like, you know, when you go on a good holiday or something like that, it really is the thing. We all remember that day really well, really very, very fondly. Good. So that was, brilliant. That was a nice memory. And it is most... Uh, most Palace big games are very tiring. That's my override memory of yeah, most yeah. of the big games I've been to. Um, okay, let's get on to the voting for Palace's best free transfer. I'll read you a bit from Matt's article. It says, That goal against Wednesday on the final day of the 2010 season was in all probability the most important in the club's history while also being his 20th of that season. Those goals undoubtedly kept Palace up and there were many times during difficult periods and trying football when he would light up a game. Admittedly, things wouldn't be quite so successful in the following campaigns, but it's difficult to look beyond him as the most important free transfer the club has made this century. Nick, I'll come to you in a bit because we know who you're going to vote for. Is anyone else here going for Ambrose? Um, who else? No, <laughs> probably not. 
I, I, wow, really? I, 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 think, I think it's a really good article. I think it's a really brilliant article. And also, I, it, what a good goal it was as well. It's a really well-worked well goal. But I, I, I'm reluctant to give one... He scored the goal, but that was a team effort. That was, the players that were left after administration, plus Paul Hart and, and to be fair, Dougie Friedman, everybody at the club was involved with that, with that survival, if you like. Yeah, and and I think it'd be unfair to single Darren Ambrose out because he was part of the team. Whereas I think Glenn Murray, I mean, thirty goals. I mean, if Glenn Murray got us into the Premier League, really, which arguably, you know, you could say we wouldn't have had a club to get promoted, but being in the Premier League has kind of saved us forever, or at least for Tim Morrison, because we, uh, Enders and I, our generation, uh, our our view of success is still having a club. It's not winning. Yeah. It's not winning titles, is it? Yeah, because we've been through it twice now. Yeah. So that yeah, Glenn Murray's goals bought us time, and also as well, just in terms of some of the exciting football. Yeah, with, with Yannick and Wilf and Glenn, that I mean, that's proper old-fashioned throwback. Thirty goals. I mean, it's in, it's unimaginable. And I, <laughs> I think for me, if you're going to ask which was the best, just take the 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 importance out of it. Which the which was the best free transfer? I would say you've got to go for Glenn. It's the most goals, league goals scored by a player at that level in the championship uh, since the Premier League was formed, I mm -hmm. believe. Guy Whittingham scored 41 for Pompey, but I think that was in 1991. Um, Nick, I'm guessing that's probably along the same lines as to why you voted for Glenn then. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a little bit like the emotion getting attached to one player. So it's kind of like emotional matches, and as I just said, and then the player who scores the goals, and it all yeah. gets heaped onto that rather than on balance. What's been getting? It's a little bit. It reminds me. It's a different situation. It reminds me of um, how Townsend should have got goal of the season, mm. you know, but he didn't yeah. get it. It went, to, it went to company because company got the kind of moment goal of the season. It's a little bit like that. So in terms of a moment for a free transfer, you would definitely put that on that occasion. But I think, I mean, that's what you know. One of the things that captivated us watching Glenn Murray. I mean, an absolute beast, and it was just the contribution over his time. I mean, he nearly spoiled it by going back to Brighton. That much I have learned. So that's, 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 in, his, that's in his negative column. But it, it has to be Murray for me in terms of overall contribution and getting us to where we are. Well, exactly, because it's not just his goals. You think about the amount of free yeah. kicks he won, the amount of time he bought the defence by holding the ball up. He was, he was, a, he, he was a brilliant footballer. And, and he can fall over, like, balletically. Yeah, it's strange, so well, yeah, for a big man. <laughs> It's like, um, Endic it's like Endicott on a train. He falls over very well. <laughs> Just falling over now. I think. It's <laughs> well, it's funny. You talk about going back to going back to Brighton. Um, he's one of the few players, possibly the only player I can think of, that has been able to go back to Brighton and still be loved by Palace fans as mm. much as when he played for us. And that is an indication of a special player. Yeah. And I think actually, oh God, see, I was going to vote for Ambrose actually, but you both been so persuasive because with Glenn it's also the story the story of going to Brighton leaving for Palace on a free saying he wants to join a bigger club at the time which made him a Palace legend before he'd kicked a ball for us scoring a goal during Brighton's first defeat at league defeat yeah, at yeah. their new stadium there are so many things along the Glenn kind of journey that endear him to Palace fans I mean Ambrose scored in that Old Trafford game but it was Glenn that got the winner in mm. extra time yeah so I'm confused now Andy and Enders, let me, let me put two more names to you that I mentioned in the article. Go on. One is Vicente Guaita, who signed this season. Ooh. And another name, I'm not sure it is mentioned in the article, actually. Well, Gary Cahill is also mentioned yeah. in the article. Yeah, right. But I would also chuck in someone from the uh, Jedi time, from the um, 
Glen Murray time is Mila Jednak, who has also see? arrived on a free transfer. Did from, he really? Yeah, from Turkey in 2010. Wow. I think that's wow. right. Um, Enders, what, I mean, whose name jumped out at you when you were first thinking about this? And have you been persuaded since? Um, it was obviously Glen Murray, but I didn't realise about Jedi, mm. to be honest. Um, but I think the thing with Murray has become a legend at the club. I think anybody who's played for Brighton twice and become a legend at Palace has got mm. to be done something right. He was also part of a great team that we've got a lot of fond memories about. But Jedi, I didn't realise about Jedi. I mean, he's like a... I mean, we all want him in our team, in our final 11 team, don't we? We, we all want Jedi. He was, he was a leader. Mm. He's a leader. And he was one of the players that we, we sometimes miss. Some you can drag the game by the scuff of its neck and just get, you know, and just get, get everybody up and going. I don't know. I think I might have to go Jedi. But then again, if you're talking about goalkeepers, you've got Gaeta there. But he hasn't really been here long enough for really, it to be warranted. Well, I'm, now, I'm now second-guessing myself because no one else... But I'm on a website called transfermarket.co.uk and it does say that it's transfer from Palace, from Gensigbiogli in Turkey to Palace yeah. was a free transfer. Um, Andy, one, can you confirm that that was a free transfer and I'm not just making up rubbish? And two, where does your vote go? Uh, one, how on earth would I know that? And two, Stuart O'Keefe. <laughs> <laughs> so my drop. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm not, he's, I'm he's not accepting, there. I'm not accepting either. I'm not accepting either of those. <laughs> I'm not accepting either. I need. Well, well, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't find out this because I didn't do the research. You guys might know, but when 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 Ian Wright came from Greenwich, did we buy him or did he come in on a free? I th I think it was one of those things where we donated something to Greenwich Borough. I think, but I, I don't think there was an actual fee. But I think we sort of uh. we there's like a set of kits or something. But that's a really good question. That'd be worth because if it, I mean, if it was, I mean, he would probably go straight in, wouldn't he? I, I don't. Mm, that's I, do you know? It's one. funny. It's not. That's not even been mentioned yeah well not that i want to second guess the finest team of sports writers in the world <laughs> <laughs> it's um it if it wasn't a free transfer it can't have been far away from a free transfer so that's a really good shout uh i'm now really really second guessing myself with this jednak thing and i know we'll have people screaming at their phones right now uh i think it was a free transfer i mean either way it shows actually we've had quite a lot of impressive arrivals at the club in the last couple of years and to be talking about legends like Jednak and Murray and, and Ambrose and potentially Ian Wright or Guaita, who might become one, I mean, that's pretty decent business via the club, and we're very lucky to have seen these guys for nothing. Well, it, well, I mean, it, I... is, it is, but Andy, Andy will tell you this much better than I, but the fact that it's a free transfer doesn't necessarily mean it didn't cost us a lot of money because quite often there's no transfer fee, but there's a, a massive wage increase instead of the transfer fee so it's it, it is good business and it normally is good business and it, most free transfers are picked up from players at one end of the career or another or coming from from continental clubs but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were actually cheap so, yeah but they, yeah but they're, they're all i mean yeah they're, that's a, a, a minor quibble right <laughs> which i throw in because andy street loves a minor quibble <laughs> well it's a pretty material quibble if you ask me but there you go <laughs> okay, uh, I think it feels like Glenn is Glenn has just about won that um, over the Jedi. course. Jedi, definitely. <laughs> Obviously, Stuart, Jedi. Stuart O'Keefe is getting a big mention here. Yeah, Stuart, I'm going to actually. I'm just going to mute Andy actually because uh, that's uh, unacceptable. They um, still charge you. 
<laughs> of course you will. Of course you will. I won't pay it. Um, anyway, we're going to move on to part three. We're going to answer uh, people's questions in a minute. But of course, if you visit the athletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription and read that. And lots of great articles. There's a mammoth article actually on Survival Sunday, which I'm only about halfway through, but it's very, very good and it's worth reading. After the break, we got questions from our listeners. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Yay! Pod three, 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 and uh, we got questions from our listeners coming up now. These are some questions we were sent in last week. We didn't get round to them, and I thought some of them were quite good, so we would continue to uh, read them out. Andy Street, honestly, how can I turn off his camera? <laughs> um, right, Nick, as you're our guest, would you like to pick a number between? One and 30. 17. Ooh. Good number. Oh, my God. Brilliant question. I don't think I was... Because I can't actually remember which ones we read out last week, but I don't think... We um, <laughs> it's, it's from Jacqueline Ann Hard. Oh, hi, Jacqueline. H-A-R-D-T. Hard. Um, and Jacqueline says, if you were stuck on a desert island with any palace player, which one would you take? Or alternatively... Who would you not want there as they would get eaten first? P.S. Loving the lockdown pods over in San Diego. Oh, that's nice. Oh. Oh, what a question that is, Nick. Well, it's a bit like snog, marry and avoid, isn't it? Because you get different <laughs> things from different, different players. So I think I'd want, I think I'd want Jedi there just because I'd feel safe. That would be, that would be pretty, that would be pretty, pretty assured. Uh, I think I'd quite like Jules, he would be. I think he'd be pretty good, um, kind of steady company. But I think out and out, I'd probably have to go for Murray just to keep that on. So I could, I could really, I could really, you know, <laughs> play play some ball against him. Murray, yeah, this the, the Murray Glen Murray is the theme of this week's podcast. Yeah. Um, Kevin, I actually think Julian's a great shout because not only would he be an incredibly nice and caring person, he'd probably offer up his arm for you to eat if you were hungry, and he'd play you guitar. Yeah, he'd be he'd be too nice. So three days of that nice would drive you yeah. up the wall, wouldn't it? I'd I'd go for um, I'd go for Demo. Demo would have you off that island in fifteen <laughs> minutes, basically. Um, the one person I don't think I should be on a desert island with is Doogie. Probably that might that will kick off. Um, Demo would Demo would find a way of getting you off there. All right, good shout. Um, shall we move on to the next question? Enders, yeah. come on, give us a number. One, one and 30. Uh, four. 
Have we done this one? We might, I don't know if we've done this one. It's from Leif Anderson's forehead. Hi, Leif. Oh, hi, Leif. Hi. He says, if you could rel- relive any season, what would it be? Mine would have to be 1990. Probably the uh, probably this season. Because <laughs> 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 it's been a long time since we've been this safe so early in the season, so it's brilliant. You're um, such a glutton for punishment, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. Oh, any season? Oh, God, that's a tricky one, because they've all got their ups and downs, haven't they? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'd go for 12 13 again so that we didn't get through to the playoffs and get promoted. So my son would have had his year of misery. <laughs> as long as you could have guaranteed promotion in the next year. <laughs> very, if very only, good. if only it was that easy. Uh, that was a good, I mean, 12 13 was a, was a very, very fun season to be a Palace fan. Uh, right, Andy, give us a number between 1 and 30. 1. It's from James Edmonston. Hi, James. Hi, James. Hi, James. We're on the longest winning streak in the club's history, surely. (laughs) From late February to to May now, will Roy be knighted for such an achievement? (laughs) Well, what about May through to August of every year? Well, technically, we're not playing. Season's not not over. We're not playing now. Yeah, yeah season's, season's, still, season's still happening though, isn't it? But we know, we know, his, we know historically that not playing doesn't count anymore because of that 17-year gap for the original. Yeah, that's so a fair that point. Was, you know, that was probably our, our biggest winning streak. Fair point. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Unless we lost, year, unless we lost, unless we lost the last game before it, in which case it was our longest losing, losing streak. streak. <laughs> <laughs> called Palace. Yeah. Yay! Yay! Uh, all right, uh, Kevin. Why don't you give us a number? Um, 29 Ooh. 29 is from Robbie Scotcher Hi Robbie. Hey, Robbie. Hey, Robbie One of our patrons and a very nice guy He says Southampton have been relegated With Watford And James Ward-Prowse is available for 15 million He wants to come do we buy him? This is, like, this is not one of those you are the ref situations <laughs> Do we do you're Dougie, You are Dougie Friedman Do we buy him? Don't don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> Under any circumstances, not for fifteen million. I mean, I, I think we've discussed this. It's it's going to be a buyer's. We can get him for. We'll offer him for two. You know, just going back to the previous question. Our three game unbeaten run. There was a glorious moment when UEFA said that one of the options for settling the leagues was on current form. In which case we would have been champions. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, no, Ward Prowse <laughs> strikes me as a sort. He's a wrong un, basically, isn't he? He just looks like a wrong un. Yeah. He's not like, I don't, I don't think we would ever forgive him. Trouble. Also, he, I don't think Wilf, Wilf would go if Ward Prowse came, wouldn't he? He's not. I would say. My answer to that question is a good question, but Robbie, no, is my answer. So it's, um, for me, it's a no from me. <laughs> Uh, Nick, what would you just as our as our guest patron? What was your what would be your shout? I wouldn't I wouldn't take him. I think I, I think he wouldn't bring Armley to the dressing room. I think there's too yeah. much history, yeah, and too many yeah. players who still know that history. That he, you know, I'd, I'd like I'd like him in the team, but not with the history he brings. Yeah. yeah, shame though because he is a good he's a good wind up yeah, I think we do need a couple of them. Um, we've got time for one more. So Nick, I'm going to go to you as our guest. You have got the last question for this week's podcast. So. Uh, I've forgotten what numbers we've used, so let's hope you don't say a number that anyone else has said before. Pick a number. 30. 30. 
Okay. Oh, it sort of goes back to the start of the podcast, actually. It goes full circle. It's from PC Wires, one of our regulars. Hey, hey I'm PC. Hey. Uh, it says, does the panel have any concerns about the possibility of league returning behind closed doors, but with Roy unable to be present at games? I think, Nick, that the club mm. had said this in the last week that actually Roy would be able to attend, even though he's over 70, didn't they? Yeah, that's what I read. But I, I think he would, because I don't think he would see it as, um, you know, he, would, he wouldn't want to miss it. He would see it as his duty, just like other players would see it as duty and leading, leading from the front. And I guess it would also be a test case of how safe it is if, if there are people isolating because of vulnerability, then that's just going to feed into the argument that games shouldn't have restarted. So I think he'd be there because mm. he'd want to be there. And I think he'd be there because he'd have to be there to show that everything was okay. Well, also, factually, both Age Concern and the British Medical Association have yeah. said that there's no medical or legal justification for keeping healthy, fit, over 70-year-olds in lockdown if other people are being allowed out, essentially. So Interesting. I, I think one of the relaxations will be announced this weekend will be that older people. Because, you know, you've got, as Dr Nick will know, you've got 45-year-olds with terrible underlying health conditions. There's no... There's no there's no logic in, in allowing them out and allowing, and also I'm terrified by this idea that the 20 to 30 year olds might be allowed in pubs before the rest of us. I mean, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> we'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll book Andy street. Now I'll do, I'll crowdfund Andy street as my lawyer to make sure that I'm legally allowed. I'm going to be, be too ended. busy in the pauses, mate, turning it into a hipster bar. <laughs> Between 20 and 30, I said, Oh, <laughs> very good. Okay, very uh, good. guys, that uh, we will find out in the you know by next week's pod. We might have an update on that, so we'll obviously yeah. talk about it if there is one. Uh, thanks for joining us. A big round of applause for Dr. Nick. Yeah, well done, Nick. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And thank very you good. for your support via Patreon. We do really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And the same goes to all our patrons as well. And there are lots of patron pods available right now at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Lots of nostalgia in there waiting for you um andy good to see you mate uh who know, will, the beard, will the beard be here next week yeah oh that's a shame uh, <laughs> enders good to see yeah. you mate and you mate look after yourself you too and kevin uh yeah before we go can i just ask nick where his accent is from originally it's originally from yorkshire so where barnsley is my oh, okay, right. yeah i've got family in um just outside bradford so i've always yorkshire yeah. so spine of the country so another another yorkshire eagle we need to we need to have our own little club <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh there probably is one uh anyway thank you everyone for joining us thank you for listening yeah, see you later everybody This summer, go to the movies. Projected on the side of a mountain. Discover a new favorite restaurant. Your campsite. Find yourself when you lose your signal. Discover a new playlist. Mother Nature. Make your summer special at the Kia Summer Sales Event with a dependable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event N7523. Sports Social Podcast Network.